tonight, I was going back and forth on what exactly I would preach on, and uh, this is something that's been kind of uh, in my, I guess, binder of what I want to preach on one day, and so it keeps coming back up, and so I prayed about it. Uh, last night, I switched what I was going to preach on to preach on this, and usually when that happens, it is the Lord, and I've, I've not done that a couple times, and it totally bombs, so I think this is the Lord. So uh, I want to talk about the difference between uh, guarding and hardening your heart. The difference between garden, guarding, uh, not gardening, but guarding and hardening your heart. Uh, but before I get into the meat of the message, um, as I was thinking about this, I thought about a, a unique perspective. So um, I was at my, my now wife's uh, in, parents' house, so my, my mother and my father-in-law's house, uh, about, I guess, three, four, five months ago. And uh, she's got a godchild named Bella. And Bella's got a personality. And um, she's a sweetie. She's very confident. She's very bold. And, uh, and she loves Jesus. Okay. And so we're sitting at, a, at the table, all the family's around. And um, she's telling us about her zoo trip. So she went on a zoo trip and she's telling me, she says, Oh, and, and Brady, they had some bats, they had tigers, and they could get real close to you. And she said, And we got in one cave, and the bats were flying out of the cave right by us and, and she's super animated and I'm not doing her any justice but I was like oh my goodness I said were you scared and her excited face went from excitement to like the look of the audacity of you she sits up straight in her chair almost scoots the chair back and here I am with all my my new family you know <laughs> she goes scared I ain't scared I got Jesus in my heart I'm a child of God <laughs> she stood up and said so I'm like, oh, amen, pastor. <laughs> so she, she was quick to tell me the condition of her heart. She said, I got Jesus in my heart. I'm not scared, right? Well, she said so much in that little statement. To her, it was a, it was a statement of faith and boldness, right? That's, I obviously missed out on in that moment. Um, but uh, deeper than that, she identified something that wasn't going on in her heart, and, and that's fear. And so she says, Pretty much in that statement, I don't have fear in my heart. I got Jesus in my heart. And so, you know, as I was thinking about that, thinking about this message, the Bible says a lot about the heart. And we say a lot about the heart. Have you ever, you've probably said this or heard someone say this, but man, that, that, that's a good hearted man or that's a good hearted woman. Anybody ever say that about someone or, or that person's got a soft heart or, um, you know, I, I like that person's heart. I'm picking up on that person's heart. What do you think of when you think of somebody with a good heart? Somebody with a good heart. I think of somebody that's very loving. Um, that they, they easily love people. I think of somebody that's very genuine. They mean what they say and they say what they mean. I think about somebody that's passionate. You know, they're, they're very driven. I think of a person who has a lot of heart as somebody with a lot of drive or uh, somebody with a lot of vision, like a visionary. Who do you think of when you think of somebody that has a lot of heart or has a good heart? Um, or what about when someone says, man, that guy's got a, a bad heart or a wicked heart or an evil heart? You know, what do you think of there? You know, usually I think about somebody who's mean or bad tempered, um, hurt, somebody who's bitter or resentful, right? Um, somebody who 
I feel on pins and needles around, if they have a, a mean heart or a bitter heart. Um, and while I was studying this, the thought came to my mind, and so I'll let you share in the conviction and uneasiness. Whenever somebody thinks about you, what do they say about your heart? So when somebody thinks of you, what do they say? What do they say? They say, that's a good-hearted person. They say, it's not a good-hearted person. <laughs> what, do they, what do they say? You know, as I said, the Bible has a lot to say about our hearts. Um, but one of the things it tells us is it's the single most important thing that we are to take care of other than our faith and salvation. And later we'll see it actually goes hand in hand. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Above everything, above all else, no matter what you got going on, above all else, guard your heart because your heart actually affects everything that you do, anything in your life. And so um, I was doing some studying. I did a word study on this. I, I did a good little bit of studying. And I picked up this word in the Hebrew, and there are seven things, seven meanings in Hebrew um, that that word heart actually means. So when I heard it the first time, I thought, Oh, like guard your heart, like guard my, my feelings or for, for singles out there, you know, make sure you dating the right person, guard your heart. And that's all true. You know, um, marry people, don't let bitterness and resentment build towards your spouse, guard your heart. So those are the things I thought of. But so many of the words in the Hebrew never came to my mind when I thought guard your heart. The first one is core values. The word in Hebrew means core values like Jesus or your family or integrity or guard these core values. The second one is thoughts. Guard your thoughts for out of them flow the issues of life, flow the things of life. The third one is guard your feelings. The fourth is passions. You have certain passions in life. Guard those passions. The fifth is sin. Now, it's not obviously telling you to guard sins and keep them, keep them in your heart, but guard against sin getting into your heart. The sixth one is weaknesses. We all have weaknesses and strengths, um, but, but it says to, to guard in those areas. Keep a guard in your areas of weakness. And then the seventh one I just said was strengths. Guard your strengths. So we're going to get more into that in the rest of the message and breaking some of those down, but our heart's complex. Would you agree? Our heart is, to, to guard your heart is not a simple verse. It's a very complex one. So God tells us to guard our hearts, and our, that's our core values, thoughts, feelings. And um, as many of you know, I can, I can read that verse, but how many of you in here could raise your hand right now and tell me that your heart is 100% healthy and guarded? Anybody? Because if, if so, I was going to be like, man, you, you come preach this message because I feel convicted. <laughs> but yeah, so not many people in here can really do that. Because it's not a very easy thing to do. Have you ever realized that you're sitting somewhere and all of a sudden you realize that you've picked up an offense or that you've picked up a, a, a little root of bitterness? Or has that ever happened to anybody that out of nowhere you just realize, man, I'm, what's up with that? Um, I was in a coffee shop with a friend of mine the other day and some somebody walked in and we're talking and he just stopped mid-sentence and kind of his face changed. and. He didn't realize he did that because I said, why'd you stop talking? And he just picked up talking again. And I was let him finish. And later on, I said, hey, whenever something happened earlier, you just quit talking. What, what happened? And he was like, you know, I went to high school with a guy that walked in. 
And I didn't even realize it, but I don't like that dude. And I asked him, really, why? What happened? You know, he says, I can't even remember. <laughs> this guy had still, he still had a bitter, uh, bitter root in his heart and an offense towards someone from way back in high school, probably 10 years ago. And he didn't even, he didn't remember why. He didn't remember why. So whether we have a fresh situation, um, that's attacked our heart or whether it's something from long ago, everybody, everybody can apply this. And so how does this happen? Like my friend, sometimes it's not the blatant kick in the front door, breaking in your house type offense. Sometimes it's the, it's the, the small inconspicuous ones. I like the way that song of Solomon puts it in, uh, in verse 15 of chapter two. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Our vineyards that are in bloom. And so the context here is obviously talking about relationships, but there's, there's a principle from this. Several times in the Bible talks about little foxes or the little, the little foxes or the fiery darts. It's these little things that are crafty and slick and sneaky and they'll creep their way into your heart. And so obviously Jesus promised that offenses will come. And so when they come, what do we do with them? And so as I said tonight, we'll talk about guarding versus hardening your heart. What does those things or what do those things mean? How do they happen? What's the Bible say about them? And then what do we do about them? What do we do about them? And so obviously when I say a hard heart, we can think, well, I mean, I know what that is. It's a hard-hearted person. But what's a hard-hearted person? Now, as I was studying this, um, I was convicted but, you know, before, obviously, you, you don't plan on getting up here and preaching something that you're guilty of. And then you start studying and you realize, man, I don't think I can get up there and preach this. But I really need to hurry because I only got like six hours to prepare. And what am I going to do? And you have to reconcile with this word that you preach. And so, you know, Jesus taught in parables, as many of you know. Um, he would pull from regular things going on in the world and he would take things that worldly people could understand and he would pull a principle out of that thing and he would teach a kingdom principle from it. Um, I almost, I came this close to playing the song, but it's not a, it's not a worship song. And so I thought I better be careful there, but there's a guy and I'm going to read some of the lyrics. There's a guy, his, his name's Chris Stapleton. Some of you probably heard of him and he sings this song called either way. Um, and I'm going to read some of the lyrics. But listen, listen to, to what this guy, and if I could sing like him, I would, but when he sings it, you can hear the hurt. You can hear the experience in this guy's voice. And so I'm going to read some of the lyrics. And if I get excited, I actually might sing a little bit. And I'm really trying to work on that. I don't know why some of you are laughing, but, um, come on. It says, so he goes on to say, he says, we pass in the hall on our way to separate rooms. The only time we ever talk is when the monthly bills are due. It says, we go to work, we go to church, we fake the perfect life. And he goes on to say, I'm, I'm past the point of caring, in other words. And he says, and all my tears are cried. And this is the chorus. He says, we can just go on like this, or you can say the word and we'll call it quits. He says, baby, you can go or you can stay, but I won't love you either way. So he's at the point in his marriage to where he's saying, Look, you know, I'm past the point of caring. You can go or you can stay, but I won't, I won't love you either way. I'm going to continue because this part really gets you too. It says, it's been so long since I've felt anything inside these walls. 
you can't hate and you can't hurt when you don't feel at all. Um, I used to cry and stay up nights and wonder what went wrong. And it's been hard, but hearts can only do that for so long. And then he says, we can go on like this. And he has the chorus again. And when I heard this song, I was, I was riding in, in a friend's uh, truck. We were going somewhere. And I heard this, and when it ended, man, I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy sang this song with such conviction. And it was one of the most teed-up biblical examples you could ask for in this situation. But it's like, man, that's what happens whenever a person hardens their heart. And I heard somebody say music is what feelings sound like. And he he certainly made a song of what a hardened heart sounds like. No question about it. And so, you know, the story of that marriage, you know, there may be people in here who, who can who can say, I, I know, I know what that, I just heard those lyrics and I know what that feels like. I know exactly what it feels like. There might be people in here who, maybe it's not a marriage. You know, maybe it's a different relationship that somebody really cuts you really deep and you know what, what a hardened heart feels like. Now, as I was um, thinking about a hardened heart, I was looking and, and doing something that I, my wife can't stand when I do is pick my calluses. And um, how many of you garden in here or maybe you're a mechanic or you, who works with their hands in here? Some gardeners. I know I can get all the ladies to raise their hand. How many of you ladies go to a pedicure place? They they got calluses on those feet. I know. Okay, so anyway. Um, so, cal- you know, a callus is, everybody knows what a callus is. A callus is, it's skin. You know, it's, it is skin. It's just really thick and hard and it doesn't have a feeling and, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of there. And, and your body builds a callus so that you don't tear your skin off. Because what happens is the more you use that area of your heart or, the, or, or that area of your skin, man, if your body didn't do something about that, you'd be ripping right through your skin, right? And so our bodies, what, what we, what happens in our heart is the more, the more beatings we take, pow, 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 our heart becomes calloused. Our, just like, just like, I know none of you ladies maybe have calluses on your feet, but if you didn't have pretty feet, what it would look like. And then the guys, the callous, right? And so, um, obviously, that's a bad spot to be. But here are some particulars. How do you know if your heart's hard? Now, I can tell a story like that, and, um, there's a lot of things I could say up here, but this was a test that convicted me. How do you know if you got a hard heart? Here's a list of a few warning signs. Number one, you don't feel like talking to anybody. You don't feel like talking to anybody. Um, maybe it means that you don't feel like talking to anyone. You just kind of want to be to yourself, and that's always the case for you. Sometimes we need some downtime. Sometimes we need some more and more. But if your default is, I don't want to talk to no one, you might have a hard heart. Or maybe you're going through a tough time and you don't want to talk to anybody about it. You might have a hard heart. Check this verse out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 11, it says, this is, they're talking to the Corinthians. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding your affection from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open your hearts wide also. So right here, you have Paul saying, hey guys, you you guys have hard hearts. We have tried to not have a hard heart towards you, but you have hard hearts. So they didn't want to talk to anyone. The second one is, 
everyone's advice seems bad. Everyone's advice seems bad. Have you ever been in a position where, you know, the Bible says that, you know, where there's a multitude of, of counsel, godly counsel, but there's a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. Have you ever been in a position or known someone to be in a position to say, I don't really care what anybody says about this. This is what I'm doing. I mean, I, I've said that before. You know, I, I know people have, have said that before. That's a hard heart. That's a hard heart. The third thing is, um, oh, let me not skip that. Um, on that second point, not caring what anybody has to say. Um, I noticed this in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 22. When Moses and Aaron were talking to Pharaoh and trying to get him to release the people, it says, but the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord said. Instead, he turned and went into his place and did not even take this into his heart. So Pharaoh was at a position where he didn't want to receive godly counsel. He turned his heart away. The third thing, you can't be happy for anyone else's successes except your own. So you're looking at others' successes and you, you really can't be happy for them because your heart is hard. See, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But you find yourself knowing the scripture, reciting the scripture, but you can't make yourself do it. And, and that's not a fun place to be either. And lastly, another little indicator is you don't feel anything about the stuff you should feel things about. About the stuff, that song we heard earlier. Wow, what a, what a tough spot to be in. But in Ephesians 4.18, it takes another approach. It says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity from because of a hard heart, they have given themselves over to sensuality so that as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. This is due to a hard heart. So, this is a tight message, but how does a person get to this place? You know, how do people, how does, a, how does one find themselves where that song was? Um, I think there's a lot of ways. I couldn't exhaust them all. But my best swing of the bat here is hardness of heart can be unresolved offenses or hurts or bitterness or unforgiveness. You know, that guy I mentioned earlier at the coffee shop, he said, I, I don't like that guy all the way from high school. I can't remember why. Yeah, 10 or 12 years since he's even seen him. He doesn't know. But he has some bitterness and unforgiveness in his heart. Or maybe there's unrepented sin. And that last verse, when you don't feel things like you should, maybe there's unrepented sin. You know, um, I don't say this thing about the heart from a, from a condemning view. At all, if you find yourself in here and you're like, "Yeah, I, I got a hard heart. I, I know my heart is hard." Um, when I first came on staff here, I was working with Mr. John, who uh, does a lot of the main or all of the maintenance around uh, the church, and um, I was working with him. And I had three big life events or three big things in life, all just phew, crash at the same time. And um, man, my heart had gotten without me realizing it. My heart had gotten hard. And the reason I noticed that my heart had gotten hard is I quit, I quit enjoying worshiping God and declaring how good he is because honestly, my heart was so hard. I was mad. At, I was mad at God. Um, I, I was excited for people, but
but it was it was a it was a task. Uh, to top all of that, the three things that I really wanted, I ended up moving uh, to to a friend of mine's area, and I would see them, and and they had all the three things that I had wanted that I had just lost. They had so every day when I'd leave, it was right there in front of me. So everything I I, I mentioned earlier, I, I totally understand. I totally understand. And so there was a class I was telling Pastor Todd during that time. I said, man, Pastor Todd, my heart is hard. And I don't want it to be though. I don't want it, I don't want it to be like this. I know that there was a time that I, I had an intimacy with the Lord. I, 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 I couldn't, couldn't wait to get in the presence of God, I, but something's happening and I need this better. And so he, he brought me through a process that kind of really helped restore my heart. And the first, the first meeting, um, he's, he said, look, I want you to bring an item that represents what you want God to do in, in, in your life. And so I brought this, uh, I have a cousin that works at, uh, Cardiovascular Institute of the South. So I bought this little squishy, uh, squishy ball. And so I, I keep that in my office. And every time I see it, I remember to check my heart. But what I said I wanted God to do is I wanted God to heal my heart and soften my heart because I knew, I knew it was hard. Well, Throughout that class, there was a, uh, a scripture that popped up to me early on, um, and I thought I could isolate the hardness of my heart. And this is what the Lord showed me. When you have hardness of heart, you can't isolate it. No more than you can take one area of a callus and make it feel something and the other one's not. When your heart is calloused, your heart is calloused. And so hardening my heart towards other people or certain situations Harden my heart towards the Lord as well, when that was never my intention. Isaiah 6 verse 10 says, Make the heart of his people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, if they weren't calloused and dull, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. See, the heart, a hard heart, gets in a relationship or in the way of the relationships that you have in your life, the people that you love, and it gets in a relationship or in the way of the relationship that you have with the Lord. You'll start to find that when you read God's word, it doesn't do what it used to. Or when you worship, it doesn't feel like it used to. Or you don't have a freedom to love people that you really do love, but you feel there's a, there's a tension there and it's nothing related to them. Nothing was related to the Lord, but I just had a tension. So all of that's kind of heavy, but there is good news when it comes to hardness of heart. I wanted to say all that to make sure we get what that means. Um, the good news is this. God gave me some scriptures to hang on to as some promises, and they weren't just for me. They're for anybody who's got a hard heart. Um, but one of them was Ezekiel 36, 26. God promises this. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Praise God. Jeremiah 24, 7. He says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all of their heart. That word all jumped out in that season of my life because I, I said, God, I, I don't even want to feel you a little bit. I need, I want all my heart to be where it was before. And he did that. And he did that. At the end of the service, I, we're going to have some time to just reflect on that, but I'm going to move on for time's sake for the rest of it. So, like I said, Opportunities come to have bitterness and hurts and all those types of things. And the Bible says to overlook an offense. It's to one's advantage to overlook an offense. But they're still coming. 
And so what do we do in that case? And the answer to that is the second part of the message, guard your heart. So what's the difference in guarding your heart and hardening your heart? Um, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. Who's ever heard of Fort Knox? Fort Knox before. Um, Fort Knox is where the, uh, the United States houses most of its gold uh, that backs our, our currency. And obviously our currency is not all backed by gold anymore, um, but a good portion of it is. And that's where all the big old gold bricks and uh, when you watch, uh, for those of you who maybe have seen Aladdin, when they're swimming in the gold coins, it's probably at Fort Knox. And so, um, anyway, uh, the the safety protocol is the most extreme in the world. You could run a Mack truck loaded down full of steel, and it would not be able to go through some of the reinforced steel bars in front of the doors. The doors take cranes to install because they're so heavy, and they're the same size as the doors you walked in with. The elevator shafts are uh, atom bomb proof. So if an atomic bomb hit Fort Knox, the elevator shafts would stay intact. Um, it's DNA, uh, it's his DNA capabilities to get in the elevator. So when you push a button, if your DNA doesn't match up on that button, you're not moving the elevator. I mean, there are stringent protocol to getting in there. And that's not even mentioning the military inside, right? In other words, you're not getting in it, right? Fort Knox, as that goes, could be a good representation of a hard heart. Nothing gets in a hard heart except the Lord. Nothing gets in a hard heart. But here's the cool thing. As protected and guarded as Fort Knox is, you can get straight to the money. You just got to have the right card and the right DNA. And you can just just walk right in. You don't have to worry about the doors. You don't have to run down the barriers. You just walk right in. No big deal. It's super easy to access. See, if we are guarding currency that way, how much more should we guard our heart than God commands us? Because out of it flow the issues of life. And so I wouldn't let just anybody, the government doesn't let just anybody walk in Fort Knox. They got to be the right person. Um, it's not, you'll hear people say, um, man, you, you, some of you probably heard this before, but you should just forgive. You know, you just, just forgive that person. Guarding your heart is not the same as unforgiveness. Guarding your heart is making sure you don't get yourself in that position again. Unforgiveness is a sin. Guarding your heart is a commandment. Two different things. Um, and so we're going to go through guarding your heart as we wrap this up. I want to bring up that scripture I just quoted, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. Now, I want to break down those those seven words one more time and just put a few scriptures to it. But before I do, I hate whenever I get to a place and I'm like, oh, gosh, I've studied so much information and there's so much more I could say about this or that could be said about this. That's why I love resources. That's why I love books. It all comes down really, and some of you already know this, um, there's a book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, I think. Um, and another guy, uh, John, I can't remember his, his last name, but we have that resource. If that's something, if this message is something that really resonates with you, it's a, they have an audio book if you're in audio books, but they have more resources. I want to encourage you, don't stop learning on a subject that draws a passion out of you when you leave. Keep feeding on it. Amen? Keep feeding on it. So anyway, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. I'm going to reapply each one of those values or each one of those words from Hebrew into this context. 
And let's look at how God is wanting us to guard our heart. How do you guard your heart? Here's the how. So the first one, again, is core values. That's your morals. That's integrity. That's Jesus. So the word heart, one of the words in Hebrew is guard your core values above all else. That begs the question, where do you get your core values from? You know, we live in a day and age to where we get our core values from ESPN. Or we'll get our core values from the news. Or we'll get our core values from Facebook or Instagram or who's cool at school. Or any of those things, but when you're go- if you're going to guard your heart like the Bible talks about here, then you got to make sure you're getting your core values from God's Word and from the Holy Spirit. So guard your heart. The second thing is your thoughts, as I mentioned earlier. Above all else, guard your thoughts, for out of them flow the issues of life. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5, uh, we read this. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So in layman's terms, before I go on, in other words, any thought that I have that I know isn't true, when it's lined up to God's word, I I demolish that thought. I I don't want to continue to think that thought. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The third thing is your feelings. Above all else, guard your feelings, for they affect everything you do. Uh, I do want to camp out real briefly on this one because I think a lot of people, when they would read this one in the Hebrew, they dismiss it, but I, I don't want to dismiss it. Um, some of you have probably heard this. I, I was talking to uh, Pastor Brandon brought it up and, and Pastor Todd had brought it up in one of our meetings, but um, raise your hand if you have. There was a pastor in California, young, just 30 years old. He's married. He's got several kids and he committed suicide like last week. Has anybody heard? about that yeah yeah and you know the more you read about that man pastor larry stocksdale sent a blog about it and just talked about what happened leading up to this and the aftermath and obviously what can you do where you are to make sure that you're being taken care of and one of the things that i know that a ways back there were teachings about you know hey your feelings don't matter and don't pay attention to your feelings You know, the Bible is clear to not be led astray by your feelings. Amen. That's true. It says, do not be led astray by your feelings. If it feels good, don't mean you should do it. Don't be led astray by your feelings. But it doesn't say neglect your feelings. Amen. So above all else, guard your feelings for it affects everything you do. And I mean, a week ago, we've got a a real life example of a situation like that. The fourth thing, uh, above all else, guard your passions. Or they affect everything you do. You know, when I, I thought about this, David was zealous. The Bible says David was zealous for the Lord. He was passionate for the Lord. God says, David was a man after my own heart. You know, guarding your passions has you keeping a pulse and a temperature on your spiritual life. How's my passion for the Lord? Am I, am I excited to get along with God? Do I value and, and, and look forward to my time with the Lord? Where is my passion? The Bible says to guard your passion. In sec- I always think about this scripture when I get here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, it says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I believe the good deposit that he's talking about there is the deposit of faith and passion for the Lord. He's saying guard, guard that. 
And the fifth and sixth I put together, sins and weaknesses. It says, above all else, guard your heart against sin. Or put a guard against your areas of weakness, for it will affect everything you do. I mean, this is an obvious thing to say from a pulpit, but obviously, sin will, will, I forget how the quote goes, but sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you there longer than you want to stay. Sin really will, it really will ruin your life. But this other word, weakness, is to me more important. You know, some of us have areas of weakness that others don't. Um, I'll tell you, and several people can tell you, if I buy a bag of Oreo cookies, I ain't making it to my house. I'm going to eat all those Oreo cookies, right? I'm weak in that area. I'm going to stay away from that. Selah. There's things that that are weaknesses out there. And, man, stay away from it. Guard your heart against an area of your weakness, right? So it, it covers sin and your weaknesses. Um, and then lastly, your strengths. Above all else, guard your strengths, for they affect everything you do. I mean, do you know that some people hear this so much that it just... It goes right over their head and they don't do anything with it. But do you know that every person has a strength? Every person has a God-given strength. Um, have, raise your hand if you ever took a spiritual gifts test before. So a good bit of people have taken a spiritual gifts test. We, we do that in our Next Steps class. It's one of the things. We talked about life groups tonight. Another thing we do is spiritual gifts. Everybody's born again. When you get born again, you have spiritual gifts. And people are naturally naturally born with certain gifts, IQ, emotional intelligence, maybe a certain skill set, on and on. But the Bible says to guard that. Why? I have found that the enemy will attack your strengths. You might have a certain spiritual gift. Let's say it's a gift of hospitality. The enemy will try to make you insecure around people. Let's say you have a gift of, of, of words of knowledge, right? And you might feel the Lord says, man, I want to give this person a word of encouragement. The enemy will make you feel insecure and that you shouldn't give that word of encouragement, right? Or leadership. Man, I can't lead these type, these people or these people don't want to follow me at work or whatever that spiritual gift is, God gave that to you. And so in this context, it says, above all else, guard your heart. One of the words there is, above all else, guard that spiritual gift that God implanted in you. Amen? And so would you do me a favor as we close? Would you stand with me? So we talked about, you know, the importance of, of the condition of your heart and that guarding your heart is important. And it's not as simple as quoting the scripture. But if you can, I want us to just take a moment to reflect. We're right on time. If, we, if, if you can, get, just get comfortable. If that means closing your eyes, close your eyes. If you want to stare at me and you can think at the same time, do that. And I got to close my eyes. But, um... I want you to just think for a second. Do you have a hard heart? You don't have to tell nobody, but you'll know. Is your heart hard in any areas? Can you be happy for anybody else's successes except your own? Do you struggle to feel things that you should feel? Do you not feel like talking to anybody? And does, that, does everyone's advice 
seem bad to you, you're not willing to take anybody's advice, if if those things, or maybe that song that I read from earlier, if any of those things strike a nerve with you, that then that's you. It's a great time to respond. It's not an accident that you're here. And it's not an accident that God put that on my heart to, to speak about tonight. I believe that that's, that's how God works. And so if that's you, let's take a moment. You know, God is here. Why don't, why don't you just tell him the simplest prayer from your heart, Lord, this sticks out to me tonight. And I want to respond to this conviction. Convictions from the Lord because he loves us. He, will, he don't want us to stay in a, in a bad spot. And so, Lord, show us, show us, convict us if we're struggling in any of these areas. And just ask God, God, I, I would ask that you would free my heart up. He promised that he would take a heart of stone and he would give you a heart of flesh. And I'm, I'm a testimony. He did it to me and I know he'll do it for you. And secondly, talking about guarding your heart. You know, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're no one's doormat. And God asks us to guard our heart. Do you find that maybe your core values have come under attack? You know, it could be a student at school. It could be a person at work. Have you caved your core values and not guarded your core values and, and taken on somebody else's values? And is, is that going on? If it is, just respond. Just, Lord, I'm, this is an area I need to... I need to acknowledge thoughts. Are there thoughts that are not of God? Bill Johnson said, I can't afford to have a, a thought about myself that God doesn't have. I can't afford to have a thought about myself that God doesn't have. Feelings. Have you? Are you struggling with something? Man, that's why we do life groups. Or come talk to a pastor if you're struggling in those areas. Passions. Have you lost your passion? The Bible says where people lack vision, the people perish. Some words there are passion. Where people lack passion, they, they perish. They just flop off. And then the last, sins and weaknesses. Are there areas in your life of sin that you're not acknowledging? Look, no one can come up here. The Bible says he who says he's without sin is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But it's also not an excuse to continue to sin. The second you have a sin in your heart, you know about it, you're then responsible to repent. If that's you, maybe you need to acknowledge that before the Lord. And then lastly, strengths. Do you need to steward those strengths? Has God put strengths inside of you that you haven't really tapped into yet? That's the most exciting thing other than being saved to Christianity. is growing in the things that God's deposited in your spirit. And so if that's you, You've had time to respond, and it's time to respond doesn't end here. But lastly, the most important thing to guard and the most important thing to prize, I said guarding your heart was the second most at the beginning of the service. The first is your relationship with Jesus. You know, you don't have to you don't have to come and, and do a, a ritual or you don't there's nothing you gotta do performance-wise to get right with God. If you say, I don't know, if I have a relationship with Jesus, I I've come to church. I know Christian people. I could even say I'm a Christian. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. If you never did that, with everybody's eyes closed, nobody looking around, just go ahead and raise your hand. Just real quick. If you if you say, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. And I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. It's not about that. It's just 
you acknowledge him in front of the Lord. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. That's it. Amen. Well, a person that I love so much before we end this time, I, I do want to pray with you, but a, a person that I love a lot, they, they didn't raise their hand in a service and get saved. But they saved and they, they did it at their house. And, you know, I never want somebody to be in a position of being in church and leave and say, man, I wish I'd have gave my life to the Lord. If that is anybody in here, you might get home tonight and say, you know what, I, I do want a relationship with Jesus. It's this simple. All you do is acknowledge, you just call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned. I, I, know, I know it. I know I've sinned. And I, I don't want that no more. I don't want to live like that anymore. Would you come into my heart? You ask Jesus into your heart. Would you come into my heart and make be the Lord of my life? Just ask him, come take charge of my life. It doesn't have to be a special thing. Just, just surrendering to the Lord is a special thing. Ask him to come into your heart and to guard your life. Surrender and ask him for forgiveness. The Bible says you'll be saved. So let me pray for you guys as we close. Lord Jesus, I just pray for everybody here. Lord, I need this word. I know everybody in some form or fashion needs something, even if it's just a scripture that was read tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint something from this message and let it make it further than the ears and the minds and into the hearts of your people. They're your people. And God, your word is alive and active. And God, I just pray that as people would leave here tonight, you would continue to do a work in the area of a hard heart, an appropriate area of a guarded heart. Lord, help everybody here, including myself, to draw closer to you, love you more, and grow in our intimacy with you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's always an honor to do this. I love y'all so much. Y'all have a good night.